welcome to this inspiring message brought to you by Kingsword Media Outreach, a part of Kingsword Ministries International. We hope this teaching inspires you and transforms you into all that God has destined you to be. Please stay tuned for more information about Kingsword Ministries International following this message. May God bless you as you listen. of Jesus and then um, I sense so strongly in my heart that God would have me communicate this period um, that revelation of Jesus and surprisingly he led me to the book of Revelation how many of you have ever read the book of Revelation maybe you've read it like once in three years okay it's a book seldomly read seldom people are scared heaven hell no i want to start this today to talk about the unveiling excuse me the unveiling and funny enough when i was when 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 god began to talk to me about that unveiling the revelation of jesus and he said go to the book of revelation I used to think that revelation was about um, you know heaven or hell as people would know it but when I started my study I found out that it was actually about Jesus and that's why I started by saying the revelation of Jesus the revelation of Jesus so there's nothing to be scared about it's Jesus that is being revealed even if you see hell and heaven and Hades and lake of fire and brimstone and fire like ah, God let me not read this one now all right it's still about Jesus. It's still about Jesus. So I'm going to do an introduction today. And then I have mapped out um, the entire book of Revelation into about four phases that I would take this Sunday, next Sunday, and all the Sundays in, um, in November. So it's an entire teaching that will come. So if you've never read that book of Revelation and you need an understanding of what the book is talking about, be sure not to miss these um, meetings on Sundays. We'll talk about all these things. Let's start Revelation chapter 1 from verse 1 to 3. That's where I anchored the entire unveiling about. So Revelation 1. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must surely take place and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant john verse 2 who bore witness to the word of god and to the testimony of jesus to all things that he saw blessed is he who reads so if you've not been reading understand that scripture is saying blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Someone said the time is near. So in my study, I, I, I stumbled on a few things. And, and quite frankly, there are lots of thoughts about the book of... People come up with different theology, different um, perspective, different mindset about the book of Revelation. I saw one that said the entire world is meant to be 7,000 years. The entire world the earth right now there are many many stuff he said the earth is meant to be seven thousand years and that in 2021 that's when jesus will come 
like they've started again. They told us this thing. I can't remember what year was that. Oh my God. It was 2000. Before 2000, there was another one. There was another one before 2000. 2000 was because they were scared of a millennium and all that. But before 2000, there was another one. That one I remembered very well. It was before 1993 because I wasn't born again then. I remember my friends who I knew they were bad boys. They all became born again. And I was looking at them. I said, you people are just... You better... They were preaching everywhere. Today, I'm the only one preaching. They, I wasn't preaching then. But the fear of that the world was going to end that period. They became born again. Doing also, they were preaching to me. I told them, I said, God, you people are wasting your time. So... There are lots of stories, lots of, you know, everything. So the person analyzed it, that, oh, it was, it's going to be 2001 when Jesus comes and then the rapture and then the tribulation and then um, Satan will be judged, that, 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 and then to the end of all age, it will now be 7,000 years. It sounds, wow, 7,000, it sounds good. But truth of the matter is, I don't know, you don't know. End of story. When he will come, he will come. All right. So the book of, uh, of Revelation is all about Jesus. It's about the person of Jesus, the plan of Jesus, and then the power of Jesus. The person of Jesus, his plan, and his power. Now history tells us that the book was written about uh, 95 AD. That's AD after the death of Jesus. So that's when it was written. So this is the breakdown that I have for the book of Revelation. Chapters 1 to 3. I'll do an introduction which I'm doing today. So it introdu introduces um, the book of Revelation and then the letter to the seven churches in Asia. If you do your, your study of scripture and history, Bible history, you find out that the place called Turkey didn't start, no Turkey right now is a Muslim nation. But it didn't start like that. That's why a lot of people are scared that if Turkey can become a, a Muslim nation, then Nigeria can. But we're not going to allow that. You know. So, it wasn't like that before. Christianity and all sorts, all those things started from there. So when, when the Bible was talking about the seven churches in Asia, it was around that area. Can you imagine Turkey now being the seven churches in Asia at the time? You know, so it talked about the seven churches. It talked about what we see versus what God sees. The way we see things and the way God sees things. And talks about Jesus' reign, his rule, and, and um, his rule in and over the church. And then it talks about that no matter what goes on in the church, it is still the church of Jesus Christ. And that he's the one that perfects everything. So we'll look at all that in the introduction. Then chapters 4 to 5 talks about the power of Jesus as the lamb the power of jesus it talks about the kingship of jesus and his throne and then the opening of the seven seals we'll talk about that as well then chapters 6 to 19 talks about the tribulation now this is the bulk of the book of revelation 6 to 19 talking about the tribulation it talks about a seven year period after the church has been raptured and taken to heaven then it talks about another opportunity given to those who will be left behind to accept Jesus Christ. And then during this period, the church will be gone. It will be more difficult to accept Christ at that period. Then it talks about the great tribulation. 
during the last three so there's going to be a seven year period and there will be the last three and a half years of that seven year period um, about the great tribulation and then it talks about the battle of Armageddon where Satan will be utterly defeated and bound for a thousand years and then there will be a thousand year rule from chapter 20 down to 22 it talks about judgment and the new life that we have the new heaven and the new earth so it talks about the reign of Jesus and believers here on earth for a thousand years it talks about the judgment of Satan and his crew it talks about the great white throne judgment for non-believers the great white throne judgment and talks about the new heaven and the new earth it's an exciting exciting read and an exciting time so all these will cover um, through the um, the study of the book of Revelation but the key thing you need to note is that it is about the revelation of Jesus his person his plan and his power it's about the revelation of Jesus so when Jesus appeared to John the beloved on the Isle of Patmos and told him write these things down he says three key things he says what you have seen what is happening now and then what will take place later those are the three areas in which jesus um, told john um, and you can find that in revelations 1 and 19 it says write these things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after so that's the entire summary of what jesus was revealing to him write the things which you see you've seen and the things which are happening now and the things which will take place later so the things that he saw and the things that are happening now one of the things that were happening at the time was the letter to the seven churches we'll look at that um, very briefly all right so it's all about jesus so jesus at the beginning was introduced as the faithful witness he was introduced as the firstborn from among the dead and he was introduced as the ruling king so everything encompasses the depth of god's love and his dominion in christ jesus and he calls it throughout the eternity of eternities throughout the eternity of his of eternities and then god is introduced as the alif and the tav that's in hebrew the alif and the tav means in greek the alpha and the omega okay so in hebrew it's the alif and the tav the alif is the first letter in hebrew and the tav is the last letter in hebrew all right so you call it alpha and omega in in greek all right so one he wrote the letter to the church at ephesus revelation chapter 2 from verse 1 he says write the following to the messenger of the congregation in ephesus for these are the words of the one who holds the seven stars firmly in his right hand who walks among the seven golden lampstands says i know all that you've done for me you have worked hard and persevered i know that you you don't tolerate evil you have tested those who who claim to be apostles and proved that they are not for they are imposters i also know how you have bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name yet you have not become discouraged but I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Think about how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works of love you did at first. 
I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence if you do not repent. Although to your credit you despise the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also despise. The one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is saying now to all the churches. To the one who overcomes, I will give access to feast on the fruit of the tree of life that is found in the paradise of God. So this is what was happening at the time. There was a church in Ephesus. right? And then Jesus told John to write a letter to them and, and let them know that, look, they, they, they are in a state of black, uh, they are, they're in a backslidden state. They used to love me. They used to um, um, go after me. The love they had for me in the beginning, they need to go back to that love. And, and the interesting thing I, I, I noted there was that Jesus recognized their sacrifice. It says, you have worked hard. You have persevered. I know that you don't even tolerate evil. But I have something against you. When I read all the seven letters, I was amazed that even when Jesus commended the things they were doing, he still said he had something against them. So he tells me that one, there is no perfect church. He is the one that perfects everything. There is no perfect system. There is no perfect church. So if you, if you come, if you are perfect and you come here, the moment you came here, we became imperfect. Because there will never be a perfect system. Never. Jesus is the one that perfects things. And I, and I always say that you don't, you don't look for perfection here on earth. You will never find perfection. Perfection can only be found in one person and one person alone, which is Jesus. Which is Jesus. And then another church. Smyrna. It says, write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Smyrna. For, for these are the words of the one who is the beginning and the end. The one who became a corpse but came back to life. It says, I'm aware of all the painful difficulties you have passed through. And your financial hardship. Even though in fact you possess rich treasure. And I am fully aware of the slander that has come against you from those who claim to be Jews but are not. For they are a satanic congregation. So I'm asking myself, what comfort, what great comfort this letter would have brought to that church at the time. What great comfort. It says, I know the painful difficulties you're going through. I know your financial hardship. And he says, in fact, you possess rich treasures. I know that. So I'm fully aware of all the uh, things that Satan is throwing against you. And then he says, do not yield to fear in the face of the suffering to come. But be aware of this. The devil is about to have some of you thrown into prison to test your faith. I said some time ago, I think it was during the dominion prayer, that when Satan throws things at you, attacks your finances, attacks your marriage, attacks your relationship, attacks your children. He's not after those things per se. He's really after your faith. He's really after your relationship with God. Attacks your health. He's after your walk with God. After your faith with God. To so get to a point where you begin to die.
doubt God. You begin to doubt his existence, doubt his credibility, doubt his promises to you. Doubt his promise. So he's not after all those things. Say, ah, um, for the past um, two years, I've been going through a lot. Yes, you may have been going through a lot, but the purpose of the trials and the tribulation and the persecution is not about the things you're going through. It's about your faith in God, your trust in Jesus, how you can hold on. That's why he ends those letters by saying, listen, says the one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully. What the Spirit is saying. The one who overcomes, I will give access to feast on the fruit of the tree of life. The one who overcomes. And then wrote another letter. Pegamon. Funny, funny names. It talked about the adultery. It says, write the following to the message of congregation in Pegamon. For these are the words of the one whose words pierces the hearts of men. Say, I know where you live, where Satan sits enthroned, yet you still cling faithfully to the power of my name. The place that you are is filled with corruption. The place that you are is filled with all kinds of things, but yet you cling to the power of my name. So it's not about the things that you're going through. It's about how you can hold on to his name in spite of what you're going through. You cling to the power of my name. He says, you did not deny your faith in me. Even in the days of my faithful martyr, Antipas, who was executed in your city, where Satan lives. So you saw this person executed before your very eyes. Yet you clinged to the power of my name. You did not deny the faith in the face of op opposition. And in your city, Satan was ruling. In your city, Satan was reigning. But you clinged to the power of my name. You, can, you would have said that, oh, a church or a people who have done something like this, they would really, really love the Lord. And they would really, you know, be working in the good things of the Lord. He said, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. So I was reading and I said, God, who can even please yourself? He said, I have a few things against you. He said, there are some among you who hold the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to eat things that were sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Therefore, you have some Furthermore, you have some who hold to the doctrines of the Nicolaitans. So repent then, or I will come quickly to war against them with the sword of my mouth. But the one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is presently saying to all the churches. To one who is victorious, I will let him feast on the hidden manna and give him a shining white stone. And written upon the white stone is inscribed his new name, known only to the one who receives it. So, we go through stuffs. We go through things. It, it's comforting to know that at the end of all this persecution, trials, temptations, tribulations, things that are not pleasant, it's always a victory. It's always a glory. It's always rejoicing. So he keeps saying that, look, you may go through all these things, but at the end of it, 
there is glory there is rejoicing hallelujah and then he talked about Thyatira Thyatira and that church had some corruption issues he says I know all that you've done for me your love and faith your ministry and steadfast perseverance he says in fact you now excel in all these virtues even more than at the first he said but I have this against you you're forgiven that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is seducing my loving servants she's teaching that it is permissible to indulge in sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to elders their own is that they permitted her they allowed her they engaged her teaching see I've waited for her to repent from her vile immorality but she willingly refuses to do so now I will lay her low with terrible distress says all that and all that and all that and all that and then this voice says in verse 25 says cling tightly to all that you have until I appear cling tightly to all that you have until I appear none of the seven churches was a perfect church none of them Jesus acknowledged everything they did right he pointed out what they did wrong but then he told them that look it is still me that makes everything perfect I'm still the one that brings everything into perfection and then the church in Sardis it talked about how dead the church is it says I know all that you do and I know that you have a reputation for being really alive but you're actually dead they're actually dead it's a wake up and strengthen all that remains before he dies for I haven't found your works to be perfect in the sight of my God you know one thing I strive strongly not to do I mentioned this before is to compete as a church God has not called us to compete. He has called us to dominate. He has called us to rule and reign. Howbeit, in our own space. In our own space. When you copy methods, they will only deliver to you that that, that um, result within a short space but it will not deliver to you creativity this is what I mean the fact that I come up and I say somebody shout hallelujah 
doesn't mean I carry the grace of somebody shout hallelujah. I may be copying the method but I'm not carrying the same grace. So methods will not deliver for you. When you go to write, when you go for an interview, they tell you, um, bring copies of your credentials, right? When they want to promote you or confirm your appointment, what they tell you? Go and bring the original. So what copy does is that it just holds for a little while. When it matters, it's the original they will ask for. When it matters, they will ask for the original. So you are better off being the best version of yourself than copying somebody else. You're better off. Because when it matters, it's the original they will ask. There's some people that sing, that minister. Once you hear the, their voice, you know this is this person. If you hear somebody else, you say this person sounds like. You hear some people talk. You say, ah, this is this person. When you hear somebody else, you say, ah, this person sounds like. There's a new guy now on um, social media that's mimicking Shaggy. comedy like him but he's not shaggy he's not so you're the best version of yourself there was a time um, there was a time one um, I think the, there was a bank some time ago that that sponsored a program. I can't remember the program. I think it's The Apprentice or something like that. They had a version of it here. They sponsored it in the country. Now when the, when the real owners of The Apprentice came, the bank dropped those people and went for the real one. Why? Because the original showed up. The original showed up. The letter to the church in Philadelphia. It said, the one who holds the keys of David, who has David's key, who opens doors that no one can shut, and who closes doors that no one can open. I know all that you've done. Now set before you a wide open door. That no one can shut. Was talking about their faithfulness. Say for I know that you possess only a little power. Yet you've kept my word. And haven't denied my name. Watch how I deal with those of the synagogue of Satan. Who say that they are Jews but are not. For they are lying. I will make them come and bow down at your feet. And acknowledge how much I've loved you. Because you've passionately kept my message of perseverance. I will also keep you from the hour of proving that is that is coming to test proving that is coming to test every person on earth. God was talking about Jesus was talking about their faithfulness. They've been a faithful church. 
They've been a faithful church. They've kept his word. They haven't denied his name. And then the last letter, Laodicea, talked about their lukewarmness. It says, I would rather that you are hot or cold, but you are neither. You're lukewarm. You're in between. You're in between. He said, because of that, I'll, I'll spit you out of my mouth. He said, you claim I'm rich and getting richer. I don't need a thing. Yet you are clueless that you are miserable, poor, blind, barren, and naked. <laughs> what a description. He said, so I counsel you. I'm reading the Passion Translation, by the way. So I counsel you to purchase gold perfected by fire so that you can be truly rich. Purchase a white garment to cover and clothe your shameful Adam nakedness. Purchase eye salve to be eye salve to be placed over your eyes so that you can truly see. So all those I dearly love, I unmask and I train. So I look through all those letters and I see the love of Jesus. Though he corrected them in the things that they were doing wrong, but his love still remained. His heart was still there with them he loved them regardless so isn't it amazing that jesus was revealed to a man in a place where he was exiled and left for dead that was the place that jesus chose to reveal himself to him and then it just dawned on me that the greatest revelation of jesus will come in your greatest trials in the times of your greatest trials and persecution and struggle if you hold on to him he will reveal himself to you most at that time John the beloved was in a very unlikely place to receive a revelation of Jesus very unlikely the things he went through did not encourage him to pray or to talk to God he was left for dead in that place that's where Jesus will be revealed to him so he took separation into darkness for him to see Jesus and if I read my Bible well I'll understand that God the Bible says he dwells behind the thickness of darkness that's where he dwells so when you say God I want to see Jesus I want to see you you don't know what you're asking for you will go through some things when they were asking Jesus oh we will die for you we will do this for you he said are you able to bear this thing the road that he's not he's not saying that to scare you but he's saying that to tell you that beyond the darkness is light beyond the pain beyond the persecution beyond the tribulation beyond the trials is glory and his light his glory and his light because beyond that place i will be revealed i will be revealed in revelations chapter 1 and 17 i'll close there it says and when i saw him john said i fell at his feet as dead but he laid his right hand on me saying listen to me do not be I am the first and I am the last. I am the Alif and I am the Tav. I'm the first and I'm the last. That's what Jesus comes to do. First of all, you would think it's fear when he shows up. But he says, no, don't be afraid. I'm the first and I'm the last. 
He says, I'm he who lives and I'm almost dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. The revelation of Jesus does not bring condemnation or fear. It brings life and wholeness. It brings completeness. When he's revealed to you, fear will not be there. When he shows up, fear will not be there. That's why he comes at first and says, do not be afraid. And then he tells you that I have the keys of life and death. I hold everything in my hand. When you see me, you see light. You don't see darkness. I may show up through darkness, but I'm not darkness. I'm light. I may show up in times when, you, when, when the pain is much, but I am not darkness. I'm light. If you behold me long enough, you will see light through me. That's what he's saying. He says, I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. See, I live. So it's about his power, his plan, and his person. It's about him. And when you see him, oh Jesus, I was reading how John was describing Jesus. He says, look at his face. It's shown, look at his feet. I, I believe strongly that that description of Jesus did not do justice to it. He could only describe him based on the things that he knew. He cannot tell me that Jesus' face is as white as snow. You only know snow because you've seen snow before. That is the closest to the description you can give. But it's more than that. We don't know it yet because we don't have the, we don't know the material. The closest we know to it is snow. That's why we say it's as white as snow. His hair is as white as snow. That's because we know snow. But when we get to heaven and we see another material, we say, oh, truly, this is the material. His being is glorious. His person is amazing. And then I was reading the other part and I saw where he was describing the sea of glass in front of him. And I remember many years ago, I shared the story here before, that how God showed me the sea of glass. It was amazing. Even as I talk about it now, I see it very clearly. Just before the throne of God, the depth from the top to the bottom, it was so deep, but from the top to the bottom, you can see the bottom so clear. It was that clear. From the top, you will see the bottom so clear, so beautiful and so clear so clear nothing beats the presence of jesus nothing beats heaven nothing at all nothing beats it and through all the letters to the churches he said to them the one whose heart is open let him listen carefully to what the spirit is saying now to the churches because when jesus shows up life shows up life shows up he says, I'm the beginning and I'm the end. I'm the first and I'm the last. That's why he started by introducing himself. He said, it's all about me. It's all about me. And when you, when you look at me long enough and keep your focus and your gaze long enough at me, and you become like me. Stand to your feet, church. Lift your hands to him. Just say to the Father, I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I want to know 
you more. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. The things that you go through are bringing you to Jesus. If only you know. If only you know. You lay prostrate before him all the time. Forgetting about what you go through. Forgetting about everything. Forgetting about everything. What he's asking of us is a deeper walk with him. A deeper fellowship. A deeper fellowship. A deeper fellowship. Just talk to him, Lord, I want to. He is the only one that can pull you, that can draw you. You can't come in by yourself. You can. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Ministries International. For information about Kingsword Ministries, visit us at kingsword.org for information and additional resources. Thank you for listening to this message. And remember, where the word of a king is, this power.